Amen. Well, Jamie uh, babysits uh, for a little boy in the morning uh, throughout the week and a little girl in the afternoon throughout the week. Now, the little boy, uh, he is five years old, and on nearly a daily basis, he is showing off how fast he is. He brags about how he is faster than Ezra in just about any way imaginable. Nearly every morning, uh, he, he begs and begs, Kyle, 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 will you race me to the door? Race me to the door. And so just about every morning uh, as I'm leaving, he, we, we are racing to the door, and he loves beating me, and he loves being faster than me. You see, uh, our, uh, this little boy that, that Jamie uh, babysits, he, he has this association in his mind that fast is good and slow is bad. That, that, that's an association that is embedded in his mind. It would take time and time and years to, to untrain this in his mind that fast is good and slow is bad. And, and I think that ever since for the majority of us, if, if not all of us, when we were very young, we had it ingrained in our minds that fast is good and slow is, is bad. Our society uh, tutors our mind towards this idea and the many, many ways uh, that, that they provide these fast things to us, like fast food or, or instantly watching the next episode. We, we could list example after example after example. Fast is good in Western civilization. Fast is good and slow is bad. Now, I know one person uh, in my life that I'm very close to who gets a lot of flack for not being fast. And that's my dad. Uh, growing up, it constantly, and when I say constantly, I mean constantly, got on my nerves, constantly got on my siblings' nerves, probably even more so than mine, because I'm a bit like my dad in this regard. I constantly got on my mom's nerves that my dad, he was just slow. He, he, he is a slow guy. Rarely did it seem like he would cave uh, to the pressure of time. My family says that my dad has exactly one speed, and that speed is slow. It would have to be a real emergency uh, for him to pick up his pace. And my family and society in general, uh, they would view that as a bad thing, something that needs to change. But today, uh, we're, we're going to kind of uh, put that uh, perspective, that association in our mind uh, to question, is that really a bad thing? Today, we're going to see that maybe we all need to be just a little more uh, like my dad, um, uh, that maybe we need to get out of uh, our mind that fast is good and slow is bad. And so we talk about uh, going slow today as we conclude our series on the ruthless elimination of hurry. Uh, this, will, this will be uh, the, the last uh, sermon uh, throughout this series. Uh, but throughout this series, uh, we, we've taken a look at Look at how being over busy and in a constant state of hurry is an epidemic uh, that many people are either unaware of or they just fail to see uh, the harm effects of being over busy and in a constant state of hurry. And, and this enemy of being over busy and in a constant state of hurry, it is a huge enemy to our spiritual lives. Too many people are simply too busy for God. 
I see this time and time again of people just being too busy for God. The church in America, we, we, we are more busy than we are bad. I don't think there, there, there's many people within the church in America who have ill intentions towards God and towards people. I think it's just a lack of priorities. It's a lack of making time for God as our world throws so much at our plate. We have so many more opportunities today in the year 2022 than we did just 10 years ago. And the, and these, the amount of opportunities just grows and grows and grows, and we put more and more and more on our plates. We need to learn to take stuff off of our plates. We need to learn to say no. No, I can't do that. I have other commitments. I have other priorities in my life because you cannot do it all. Every yes that you commit to is a thousand no's. When you say yes, you're, you're going to watch that, that one episode of TV. You're saying no uh, to uh, spending time with others. You're saying no to reading the word. You're saying no to, to uh, taking a bite to eat. Anything that you say yes to, there, there are a thousand no's that you are simultaneously uh, saying no to. And uh, so the church, we, we just overfill our lives with stuff, with things. And uh, the, the, this issue of being over busy, it, it's an epidemic. And, and the more that we talk about this together as a local church, uh, I've seen uh, how prevalent it is uh, in our, our local church as well. Uh, probably more uh, prevalent uh, than what I had originally thought uh, than when we started uh, this series. And so ever, the, ever since that first week in which we started this series of identifying the, this issue of being over busy and, and really just making us aware of this epidemic, we've been on a quest to ruthlessly eliminate that from our lives. And so we saw that the solution to this problem is to mimic the lifestyle of Jesus, as Jesus was hardly ever in a hurry. He made time for God on a daily basis. As these past four weeks, we've taken a look at four practices of how to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. First practice that we took a look at was silence and solitude. We all need a regular practice of simultaneously experience silence and solitude. You need to silence yourself from the external noise and the internal noise, and you need to be by yourself with God. Second practice was the Sabbath. We, we need a regular day off. And not just any ordinary day off. We need a regular day off that is holy to the Lord. Now, last week, we talked about simplicity. We, we need to intentionally promote the things that are important in our life. And we took a look at Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteous, righteousness. So we need to intentionally promote God's kingdom in our lives. And at the same time, we need to get rid of everything that distracts us from that. And so today, we, we, we finish up our quest on ruthlessly eliminating hurry by talking about slowing down. We, we, we just need to slow down. And again, this series uh, was inspired uh, by a book Cheryl uh, recommended to me and that I was able to read on my personal spiritual retreat, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And if, uh, if this is a topic that is very relevant for you, uh, then I strongly recommend it, uh, recommend you to read it for yourself. 
So Jesus, uh, again, Jesus is a, is a prime example to follow in this quest uh, of eliminating hurry in our life. And we've already seen uh, that during the life and ministry of Jesus, he was rarely in a hurry. I won't say uh, never uh, in a hurry because I don't know, but I can't find a place uh, throughout uh, the four gospels where Jesus was in a hurry. We finished uh, the first two uh, seasons of The Chosen in our uh, Tuesday morning uh, Bible study. And uh, has anybody seen uh, The Chosen series? A couple of you guys, yeah. Uh, they, they take liberties uh, throughout uh, the scriptures. They dig into detail that isn't there uh, in the scriptures. And they're very open and they're very uh, transparent um, about that. And so the series, it isn't the authority on, on what uh, Jesus' life and ministry uh, look like. But, but I think it gives us a pretty good picture, a pretty good idea of what his daily life looked like. And, and I love that they do such a marvelous job of capturing how laid back and slow paced Jesus and his disciples were throughout their ministry. They were constantly present in the moment. Jesus wasn't worrying about the things that were going to take place tomorrow. He was focused on today. He, he was focused on the present moment. We, we talked about last week in Matthew 6 how Jesus strictly warns us against worrying about tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough worries of its own. So let's focus on today. Let's live in the moment, he constantly was letting people interrupt him in what he was originally pursuing. I think of Jesus on his way uh, to go uh, heal Jairus' daughter, and on his way, he stops uh, to heal another woman who touches cloak. This happened time and time again where Jesus, he was present in the moment. He's living in the moment. And man, that is so hard to do. At least it's hard uh, for me to do. It takes a lot of attention and awareness and being aware and in tune of the moment. I think this is especially hard in the culture and society that we live in, in the digital world and all these things that the world provides. It's so hard to just take a breath, slow down, and to just dwell in this present moment. My uh, spiritual retreat... Um, last month or two months ago. I don't, I don't remember exactly when. Uh, but that was one of the lessons uh, that God laid on my heart uh, throughout that couple-day retreat, is that I just need to live in the moment. Too often, I am focused on what we are going to do next. Too often, I'm focused on, on what we're going to do tomorrow. And I just need to soak up the present moment. Too often, I go on uh, through my day missing the goodness that each day brings. John Comer in his book says, if there's a formula for a happy life, it's simple. Inhabit the moment. In other words, if you want to live a happy life, then live in the moment. And I think there's a lot of merit in that statement there. The psalmist uh, talks about uh, the same concept in slightly uh, different terms. In Psalm 118, uh, verse 24, the psalmist says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Anybody else, when they read this, that, that song goes through your mind every single time. Every single time I read that. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Yeah, you guys get it. Uh, yeah, there we go. There we go. Got some cooperation there. Yeah, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. 
And so let us rejoice in this day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And try not to, try not to miss the goodness of each, uh, of each day that, that it brings. Soak in the goodness of God. And I think Jesus, he, he did this on a regular basis. I think this is part of his daily routine, living in the moment, soaking up the day, rejoicing in the day that the Lord has made, and just soaking up the goodness of God and who he is. And we need to incorporate that into our lives as well as we follow the supreme example of Jesus. The Apostle Paul uh, was someone who was a staunch follower of Jesus after Jesus appeared to him in a vision. I love what Paul has to say about this uh, topic of slowing down, uh, of living in the moment. If you have your Bibles, we'll we'll just uh, read this one verse here. Uh, In the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 11. So Paul, he, he, here he's writing uh, to the church of the Thessalonians. And in the midst uh, of encouraging this church uh, to, to love one another, he says in verse 11 of chapter 4, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. I love that. To aspire to live quietly. According uh, to the Strong's Dictionary of Bible Words, that Greek word for quiet can mean, can mean cease, it can mean hold peace, it can mean quiet, and it can rest. So here Paul is saying he is aspire to cease, aspire to stop, aspire to hold peace, aspire to rest. You know, that can kind of seem like an oxymoron in our eyes. As when we think, at least when I think about someone aspiring to do something, I think of someone pushing full force ahead, you know, and that quickened state, being fast, aspiring to get that without letting anything get in their way. And so it kind of seems like an oxymoron now where Paul is saying he is aspire to live a quiet life, aspire to stop, aspire to be at peace, aspire to rest. We've got to aspire to slow down in our lives. That's all revolving around the same idea of eliminating hurry and slowing down in our lives. And now thankfully, uh, well, well, if, if we talk about aspiring to live a quiet life, that aspiration uh, will do us no good if we, if we do not put that into Practice. And thank goodness, uh, in John uh, Comer's book, he helps us uh, transition the aspiration to live a quiet life, to live a life that is slowed down, at rest, at peace, where we cease in all of the craziness of the world, and, and we, we, we turn that over into practice. And so uh, really the, the bulk of uh, John Comer's uh, chapter uh, on the idea uh, of slowing down, he, he lists 20 uh, practical tips that we can apply in our lives uh, to help slow down, to help us eradicate hurry in our lives. And I want to just uh, spend a couple minutes here uh, listing my five favorite practical ways in which John Comer lists in, in which we can slow down and eliminate a hurry in our lives. We're going to combine some of these into one category. So the first category here is driving. I don't know about you guys, but I find when I am driving, I am so often in a hurry. It's unusual if I'm driving and I am not in a hurry. 
As I, if you're anything like me, you're going to leave at the last minute possible. You're going to calculate exactly how long it takes to get to point A to point B. And, any, and if anything goes wrong on the trip, if a train comes by, you're going to be late. And I, and I don't like to, uh, to be late uh, to these different appointments, so I am in a constant state of hurry. Well, for me, to slow down, it would do me a lot of good if I were to just leave five to ten minutes early. It'd do me a lot of good. Because again, when, when we're in a state of hurry, we lose our sense of peace. We lose our, our, our sense of patience and we lose our, lose our sense of love. Uh, he used the example uh, earlier in the book. Just think about when you're trying to wrangle the kids into the car, leaving for an appointment. I'm guessing you are not acting in a very loving manner to your kids at that moment. As hurriness, it, it, it is not conducive with these ideas of love, peace, patience, and joy. And so leave five, ten minutes early. Drive the speed limit. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's rare that, that, I, that I drive the exact speed limit. There, there's exactly one place that I'm sure to drive the speed limit. That's Northampton, because if I don't drive the speed limit in Northampton, uh, I'm, I'm going to get a ticket. Still yet to get a ticket, I think, uh, goodness. Uh, so drive the speed limit. You know, you know, it's customary, you know, drive five, seven, uh, maybe even 10 miles per hour above the speed limit, but, but try driving the speed limit and, and, and just enjoying uh, the drive. Or if you're on the interstate on the highway, get into the slow lane. Sometimes that drives me crazy when I'm on a long drive and there's two semis and, and, and the two lanes right next to each other and it's forcing me to slow down because I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry to get to point A to point B and I'm not thinking very loving thoughts uh, to the semi-truck driver at that uh, moment. I'm sure we, we've been there uh, before. So, so try just going in the slow lane on a typical basis. Or better yet, come to a full stop at signs. Again, there's only one place where I uh, typically come to a full stop at, at, at a stop sign, and that's Northampton, uh, at the end of my neighborhood, because that cop sits right there, and that cop's not going to see me come to a rolling stop. But basically everywhere else, I'm coming to a rolling stop. Why? Because I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry to get from point A to point B. And so just basically following uh, the rule, now, now you, nobody wants to drive with me. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a bad driver. I'm guessing I'm like all of you uh, in that regard, uh, slightly driving above the speed limit, not coming to a full stop at the stop signs, but a rolling stop. Um, you know, it kind of feels awkward when you come to that full stop and the car shifts. I'm not, I'm not used to that. Um, <laughs> and so slowing down, slowing down, practical tips, slowing down while we're driving. Another practical tip that we, that we can apply in our lives uh, to, to go at a slower pace in life and eradicate hurry, it has to revolve around our phones. Our phones is an engine to this idea of living in a state of hurry. I encourage you to turn your smartphone, if you have a smartphone, turn it into a dumb phone. Turn it into a dumb phone. Get rid, rid, rid of the, the apps that distract you. Simplify your life. And, and if, if you are extremely bold, then actually go from a smartphone to a dumb phone. Uh, th this has been something that has really been on my heart, on my mind uh, for the past year or so. And I've been so close to pull the trigger a couple times. I just want to get that dumb phone. Uh, but, but those dumb phones, these the smartphones... They're constantly vying for our attention and constantly vying for our time, which causes us to hurry in the other uh, assets of our life. Another big one uh, that, that I love here is putting your phone to bed. Who recommends uh, putting your phone to bed before you actually go to bed? 
Turn it off. When's the last time that you turn off your phone in your house? I'm guessing for, for some of you guys, I'm guessing it's been quite a while. Probably the last time that your phone died was probably the last time that, that your phone has been uh, shut off. So turn your phone off and put it to bed. At the same time, keep your phone off until after your morning quiet time. I was astounded by this. 75% of people sleep next to their phones and 90 percent of people check their phones immediately upon waking. That's incredible. 90% of people in America, the very first thing that they do when they wake up is they look at their phone and they're consuming, 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 consuming. They're letting the world determine their thoughts and their emotions for the day. And so keep your phone off until after your morning quiet time of silence and solitude with God. So phones, we, we, we need to put our phones in, in check. They, they can be an engine to, to this idea of being over busy and in a constant state of hurry. Uh, just check uh, how much time you spend on your phones, and that can be pretty alarming uh, for some of us. Another big one is uh, social media on, on a similar idea there. Set a time uh, for social uh, media or a time limit or just completely uh, get off of it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not very good at uh, some of these uh, practices, um, but social media, this is one that, that I completely eradicated uh, from my life uh, back in June. And let me tell you guys, I have never looked back. It has been such a freeing experience for me as I was addicted. I was addicted to Facebook. Every single day, I would be scrolling through Facebook. I wouldn't even be enjoying my time, but I'd be consuming all my time, a lot of my free time, uh, scrolling through Facebook. And before I know it, I've lost a lot of my free time to, to seek God first and foremost. And so maybe if for you, if you're, if you're similar to me or where I was, and maybe you're addicted to social media, maybe you need to set a, a, a schedule in which you can access social media, maybe you need to set a, a time limit, or maybe just cut the cord once and for all. I'm telling you guys, uh, again, I'm not very good at some of these practices, but this is a practice I applied in my life a couple months ago and has absolutely been freeing in my life, and I want the same for you guys as well. Another way in which we can uh, slow down in our lives is to take a regular day for silence and solitude. John Comer mentions in his book that he spends a full day once a month in silence and solitude, where all he'll do is go somewhere all by himself in prayer and reading and journaling, etc. You know, under uh, the Torah, under the Old Testament law, uh, the, these Jews, they, they had uh, several uh, different feasts uh, throughout the years, uh, throughout the year, and uh, the Jews had three uh, annual feasts that would last a week long, where basically what they were experiencing were silence and solitude. Not all the time, uh, solitude, a lot of times they'd be uh, camp uh, camping in these booths uh, with, with these other people, but they would be stopping from their work. It was a chance one week, three times a year in which the whole nation of Israel, they slowed down. It was a regular part of their routine. And we need to implement in this our lives, in our lives as well, a regular rhythm, a regular habit in which we slow down and partake in that silence and solitude. I want that for you guys in my life. I mentioned uh, I, I do it once a year. Well, I've only done it uh, twice, uh, both these uh, past two years. Uh, my personal spiritual treat where I just focus on silence and solitude for a couple of days 
And those are the days that I feel the closest to God throughout uh, the entire year. And so find a regular day, a regular time for that silence and solitude in your life. The last practical tip uh, is to journal. This is one uh, I'm not good at. I, I've done it a couple times, uh, and I see the, the immense blessings in it. Uh, the Greek uh, once said, an unexamined life is not worth living. You know, it's often when we reflect on our day, reflect on our week or our month, we see the ways in which God has blessed us. And so examine your life, possibly through journaling. Slow down. Take, take the time to focus on the ways in which God has blessed you. So these are practical ways to turn the aspiration of living a quiet life and putting them into practice. And this coming week, uh, I'm going to be sending you uh, guys two resources uh, this week as well to help you slow down and eliminate hurry in your life. Uh, The first one uh, you'll see in your emails uh, today, in your church email, if you're not plugged into the church email, come see me. I'll get you guys plugged in. There's a lot of uh, good information in there. But in your church email today, I'll be sending uh, a workbook uh, that John Comer uh, put together uh, called How to Unhurry. And he basically just walks you through on how to apply these four different principles in our life, silence and solitude, uh, Sabbath, simplicity, and slowing, and, and how we can use these practices as we mimic the lifestyle of Jesus to help us eradicate hurry in our lives. Second resource I'm going to be sending out uh, to you guys this week is I'll be sending out uh, a text message uh, each night reminding you to put your phones to bed. I think this is a huge, huge deal. We need that separation from the world. We, we, We need to cut the cord at least for a couple hours in our life. Your, your evening and morning routines are crucial in your relationship with God. When I'm on top of my game with my evening and or morning routines, that is when I'm feeling closest to God. And when I slip from my game, when my morning routine slips from me, that's when I'm feeling distant from God. And the phones can be the biggest stumbling block to our evening and morning routines. And so every day uh, this week at 8 o'clock, if you're uh, plugged into our, our church text alerts, um, back on your bulletin, if you're not, you can see how to uh, plug into uh, the church text alerts. But every night at around 8 o'clock, I set an alarm on, on my phone every evening at 7.57. So I'll give myself a couple minutes at around 8 o'clock every night this week, you'll get a text message saying to put your phone to bed. So all you're going to do is you're going to turn your phone off and you're going to put it in a separate room uh, other than your bedroom. And hopefully, in, in eliminating In my eyes, the biggest stumbling block to this morning and evening routine, hopefully, if you don't already have a good habit of growing closer to God in those evening and morning routines, hopefully, this will be a perfect opportunity opportunity for you to partake in that routine of growing closer to God in prayer and reading his word. And so I I highly, highly encourage you guys uh, to, to... Take part uh, throughout this week when when you get that text message to put your phone to bed. Actually put your phone to bed. Turn it off and uh, use that opportunity to spend time with your spouse, spend time with your kids, and ultimately uh, use that as an opportunity uh, to spend time with your heavenly father as well. So all in all, as as we conclude uh, this series, we, we all live in a world of hurry and uh, being in a constant state of hurry, it's not conducive to being a Christian in general. 
We lack love, patience, peace, and joy when dealing with others. We lack time spent with God. We simply lack what it takes to follow the example that Jesus has set for us. And so being over busy is not something uh, to take lightly. And unfortunately, in our society that we live, being over busy is a social status that is revered. You know, a lot of times the people on the highest step of the social ladder, they brag about how busy they are in their lives. Being over busy is nothing to cherish. It is nothing to brag about. It is an enemy to our spiritual health, and there is nothing more important. And so we cannot take this issue of being in a hurry and over busy lightly. If we let it linger in our lives, then, it, then our spiritual lives are in grave, grave danger. And so we need to be a church that takes a firm stand because the rest of the culture, the rest of Western civilization, they are running uh, a thousand miles per hour, overstuffing their schedules, overstuffing their plates, and living in a state of hurry. Wing Mandao, a Chinese pastor, said, we have so much to do that we never really commune with God as he intended in the Garden of Eden. That breaks my heart. And so let's together, let's be a church that restores that community that mankind had with God in the Garden of Eden. In order to do so, we need to make time for God. We need to not, we need to get rid of the hurry and being over busy in our lives. And while we work on ruthlessly eliminating hurry in our lives, we can remember to put our hope in the day and the age or there will be no need to hurry as we will have all of eternity to spend time with God and his son and our other loved ones who pursued God, who seeks God's kingdom first and foremost. That day is coming. I cannot wait for that day. We need to get ready for that day. And to do so, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we uh, just thank you for uh, the wonderful hope that we have in an eternal age in which for the rest of eternity, we, we, we can spend perfect community with you and your son and other loved ones who devote their life to you. Father, until that day comes in which your son establishes your kingdom, Father, I just pray that you watch over us as a church. Father, I help us. Uh, I pray that you help us take a firm stand against the pressure of time and overstuffing our schedules, and that, Father, ultimately, we seek you first and foremost as we recognize that you are a jealous God. You want us, and help us give the best of ourselves to you. So we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the beautiful gift of eternal life. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray.